0: If you will open your Bibles to, as Tommy alluded, John chapter 17. Um, We have been now for a little over a year um, in the book of John together, series that we've entitled Believe and Live. Uh, That series title certainly uh, continues to flesh itself out uh, and it will again today in our text. Let me give you our focus this morning, want to read the text, and then we'll pray again for the preach word. Here's our aim this morning. This is what I hope you see in the text. Jesus was set apart to be sent into the world to sanctify and send His church into the world. So Jesus was set apart to be sent into the world to sanctify and send his church into the world. Where do we get that? John chapter 17, look with me, verses 17 through 19. Grace Church, hear the word of the Lord. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes this morning that we may see wonderful things in your word. And Father, we pray that your word come this morning, not simply in words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to begin today with a single thought. But I wanna say that one thought in several different ways. Here's the thought, godly people Spread the gospel. Godly people spread the gospel. Or to say it other ways, our holiness is visible through our going to the world. Or evangelism and sanctification are inseparable. Or word-soaked saints become spirit-filled heralds. Or meditators will be messengers. The biblical thought is this. Those who are diligent to be sanctified by the word of God will inherently embrace the mission to be sent into the world with the most precise passion. Let me say that again. Those who are diligent to be sanctified by the word of God will inherently embrace the mission to be sent into the world with the most precise passion. I want everyone this morning to see the structure of the text because I believe it'll, it'll add or aid to our uh, being able to grasp, to, to see. So I, I've, I've asked Ben to to put behind me. I hope you can see the words and even the colors. Uh, This is not how it looks in my Bible. I'm sure it's not how it looks in your Bible, but there's this great program. I'm going to give a little plug for um, a a website called Bible Ark. You can um, break the scripture down into phrases. You can color, underline, bold, italicize, and do many, many more things uh, that I find super helpful. And I wanted you to see it this morning because I believe it'll help us there is, if you'll let me use um, this, this picture, there is a, a, a sandwich here, all right? It's a, and it's a double patty sandwich, all right? And the double patty is this, sent into the world. You see that in verse 18? The word sent, I have in purple, may not can see purple there and the word world in red. And then you see again that same phrase, sent them into the world, right? So sent and into the world is repeated. Uh, that's the meat, it's there twice. And that meat is sandwiched between two buns. The buns are, sanctify them in truth. You see sanctify in green and then truth in blue. Your word is truth. And then if you look again in verse 19, you see that sanctify in truth language again, right? So you got the top bun, sanctify in truth. The bottom bun, sanctify in truth. And then you got two patties in the middle, sent into the world. That structure, I just wanted you to see it because I think it helps us. It's going to help us this morning not just see the structure of the text, but understand what's being communicated. In short, these verses are emphasizing things that are repeated here. The method of being sanctified is by truth, right? And the location of being sent is into the world. We can't miss that. It's repeated there. Ben, you don't have to leave that up there. I just wanted us to see it briefly so that we had an idea of the structure of the text. And the short text begins with sanctifying truth, followed by being sent into the world, and then concludes by, again, sanctifying truth. The main idea and structure of the text in mind, with those in mind, I want us to dive in and look closer at the wording here. And as Jordan alluded to last week, though this part of the prayer, this great high priestly prayer that Jesus prays in John 17 uh, is aimed at first century disciples, people who walk the earth with him, though that is certainly the aim, there is much to be gleaned and applied to first century followers of Christ. So I want us to keep in mind, yes, he's talking to disciples, but this is certainly applicable to us in last week's text Jesus prayed for the disciples protection or preservation John 17 11, he says holy father protect them by your name in this week's text Jesus prays for his disciples sanctification so last week protection this week sanctification verse 17 our text this morning sanctify them in truth your word is truth Now the word sanctify simply means set apart, set them apart. Jesus is praying that his disciples, or to begin applying to us, his followers, to be sanctified, to be separated in life and character, to live holy and godly lives. Jesus prays that his disciples would be separate from sin and the way of sinners, and that they would be made more pure, that they would be spiritually minded, that they would set their gaze on Christ. Well, let's make note of a few things that we see here in verse 17 concerning the request that Jesus makes. Now I love if you've had the, I don't know if I call it opportunity or uh, you've been required to sit under the preaching that that I give but I, I like to walk through the text I, I want to see each phrase which is why I posted that picture a minute ago but one of the most important things I think this morning we're not going to find in the words in verses 17 through 19 but the reality is this it is Jesus that is making this request so we can be assured that it is of vast importance. So when we see sanctify them in truth, these aren't just words on a paper. This is what Jesus prayed on our behalf. This is what Jesus prayed for his disciples. The second thing that I want us to see is that Jesus is not just praying for his disciples' salvation, but he's praying for their sanctification. He's praying that they would be sanctified. Well, we know that Jesus has not yet at this point gone to the cross to be crucified. And there's debate if you read through scripture when and at what point exactly did the disciples put their faith in Christ. And sometimes we we think it's maybe here and then we see this kind of floundering around. So then we suspect that maybe it's a little bit later and it's hard exactly to put our thumb on exactly when the disciples individually and as a group, put their faith in Jesus. But what we do know is Jesus' prayer for their sanctification was certainly not only in this moment, but futuristic. He was hopeful for the disciples' sanctification. So much so that it's one of the major themes throughout his prayer. He's praying for their sanctification. Jesus prays that his disciples would be sanctified. Well, why am I making such an emphasis on sanctification and not so much about their salvation? We're, we're not sure. Why would, I, why would I draw that out? Why would I make that distinction this morning? Because I believe he's not praying for their salvation here, that they would be justified by faith in a moment, but he's praying for their sanctification I want every person in the room to know that the moment that you trust Jesus to save you as you look at his death and resurrection and believe that yes Jesus did that for me he did that I believe that he did that I believe that he actually died on the cross I believe that his blood was spilled I believe that he was a sufficient sacrifice to pay the price for my sins and I trust that Jesus can save. There is a moment of justification where God looks at us no longer as rebellious, God-hating sinners, but as righteous. He sees the righteousness of his son imputed to us. I believe there's that moment. And in that moment, you are perfectly and instantly justified before God. You are no longer under his just condemnation you no longer face his eternal wrath you've been forgiven of all your sins and made right before God but our sanctification that which Jesus is praying for in this prayer is not just an external work accomplished by Christ on the cross but an inward work in our heart by the Holy Spirit that's what he's praying for And unlike justification, it is not instantaneous, but rather an ongoing process that honestly will never see perfection on this side of heaven. As long as we live in these fleshly bodies, our holiness will not be perfected. J.C. Ryle says this, holiness is a thing imparted. And inwrought, but not imputed. There should be, however, in us as followers of Christ, noticeable sanctifying progress in life. That should be true of every believer. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then there should be identifiable, there should be noticeable. Other believers should be able to look and see, and quite honestly, the world should know that you're different too. That there's a sanctifying work that is taking place in your life. A good read through Romans chapter 8, I was tempted to do it this morning, would help us distinguish between justification and sanctification. And I encourage you, if you have opportunity, read through Romans 8 again today. The bottom line is this, Jesus is praying for his disciples' sanctification He wants to see them set apart in life and character. I also want us to see in John 17 that very plainly in the text that the word of God is the tool by which the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Now God can use a lot of things to get our attention, a lot of things in life, situations, circumstances, relationships. God uses a lot of those things to grab our attention. But in that moment, if we don't turn to God and his word, we will miss the opportunity to be sanctified. He sanctifies, according to John 17, through his word, by his word. We are sanctified by the word, and the word is truth. The word is truth. So truth is what sanctifies a person. But this is more than just truth acknowledged. We're not just acknowledging what is true. The truth that John 17, 17 talking about is truth that is meditated on. Truth that is considered. Truth that is understood. Truth that is spiritually enlightened. Truth that is loved. Truth that is enjoyed. Truth that is believed. And truth that is applied. That's the truth that John 7... 17 is talking about truth that changes and governs a life rules masters him thus the importance of routinely spending time in God's word and being under faithful preaching of God's word it's imperative you can't possibly hope to grow as a believer to be sanctified if you're not routinely in God's word not just for acknowledgement but for consideration, for application. And we must gravitate where God's word is preached faithfully. Believers who neglect the word of God will not grow in holiness. Indeed, they cannot. God's word is necessary, it's an ingredient sanctification I love the way D.A. Carson says this this means Jesus expects his father to use the word as he sanctifies Jesus followers in the truth Jesus when he prays this is expecting God the father to use the word to sanctify Jesus followers in the truth Well, there's two things with John 17, 17, setting up really the next two verses that I want to draw our attention to this morning. What does it mean to be sent and what does it mean to be sanctified? He's going to elaborate on those in the next two verses. He says this in John 17, 18 as you, that's the father, sent me, that's Jesus the son, into the world, I also have sent them, that's the disciples, into the world. With that prayer for sanctification in view, Jesus states the purpose of his disciples' sanctification, that we are to be sent into the world. It was Jesus' plan, it was his design to send the disciples out into the world. So that as he's asking God to sanctify them, he has their being sent out in mind. As Jesus was set apart by the Father and sent with purpose to die on the cross, to pay the price for men, to exalt the Father, so we too like the disciples were being set apart and sent to continue the mission that Jesus began now we want to make some very clear distinctions between Jesus call the call that was on his life his mission and the mission that he has passed along to us and though there's so much overlap we need to make some very clear distinctions between Jesus and us Jesus calling and our calling But I want us to see the umbrella. The mission of Christ forms the pattern of mission for the disciples and the saints who follow all the way down to us today. We're not saved and then aimlessly live out our days on earth, but rather are given a purpose. We're not saved and then we just live life however we want. We just kick back into this satisfied mode. I'm justified, now I can chill but we're saved to be sent, not saved to sit back and be satisfied. And I find it ironic that the two biggest factors in our reluctance to carry out the mission to go into the world are the two things that Jesus has just prayed on our behalf, protection and sanctification. Seeking our own protection causes us to isolate rather than to go. The greatest safety that we need in this world is the one that keeps us eternally safe from the pit of hell. That's the protection that Jesus is praying for, not a fortified home that we can hide behind when we're afraid that the world may come get us. He's talking about eternal safety, eternal protection, eternal preservation. But somehow in all of our efforts to protect ourselves, We hinder the mission of God by isolating rather than going. The second factor that causes our reluctance to carry out the mission to go into the world is our lack of sanctification. It squelches our desire to go to the world rather than fan the flame of gospel proclamation. As you spend time, not just in God's word, but with the God of the word, He plants in your heart a growing desire for him. You fall deeper in love with him. And as you fall in love, deeper and deeper in love with God, you then have a growing passion to commend the Christ that you love to those around you. Indeed, you can't imagine not doing so. It feels like the prophet Jeremiah when he says, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You have to get it off your chest. You have to tell other people about this Jesus that you love. Jesus is the one who commissions us into the world. Think about that. The Father commissions the Son to come into this world, to condescend and to die on the cross, to carry out the mission that the triune God had given the Son. And then he in turn commissions us, our Savior, the one who bled and died for us, commissions us to go. So we ought not fear the calling, but rather with confidence in our sustaining Savior, faithfully obey the call to go. Jesus is not unfamiliar with the calling that he has given us. He fulfilled his calling on the same mission field and it cost him his life. And he doesn't hesitate to tell us, go into the world. Be sent into the world. Dear saints, remember Christ's willingness to be sent. And be willing to be sent yourself into the world. But I also want us to see not just our being sent as Christ was sent. But I want us to see that we are to be sanctified. Look with me in verse 19. John 17, 19. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I don't know about you, but it only takes one reading of that verse for my eyebrows to pop up and think, wait a minute, I got some questions about that verse. When Jesus says, I sanctify myself, I know Jesus to be perfect. I know Jesus to be perfectly holy. I know him to be set apart like no other. So what could he possibly mean when he says, I sanctify myself? Again, sanctify means to be set apart, but the setting apart that Jesus does is not exactly the same setting apart that he is calling us to. Let's make this distinction. Let's examine the text to sort through the the language here to obtain an accurate understanding of the word. In the text, Jesus says, I sanctify myself. I set myself apart. I was happy to be set apart for a purpose. In what way does Jesus set himself apart? Well, let's establish what it doesn't mean first. Jesus needed no sanctification. He didn't need to be made more holy than he was. He was perfectly holy and without sin. The sanctifying that Jesus speaks of in this verse is his being set apart by God the Father for a unique work, for a work that only he could accomplish. John 10, 36, if we just went back a few chapters, Jesus says, this is what it says about Jesus, the one whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world. We know that the Father did this to Jesus He sanctified him. He set him apart for a purpose, and he sent him into the world to fulfill that purpose. Jesus alone is the justifying, sacrificial Lamb of God that pays the price for all men's sin who will believe. No other sacrifice can pay the price for our sins. You can come at it from any angle, you can try a thousand. You can try a million sacrifices of every imagination and they're all going to fall short. They're not going to be sufficient. No other sacrifice can save the souls of men. No other sacrifice would or could be sufficient to satisfy the righteous wrath of God. They all fall short. And the amount of blood spilled in that effort in the Old Testament is too great to count and though in the Old Testament certain animals were unquestionably groomed for sacrifice and they picked ones that they believed were without blemish but again Jesus stands alone as the one sacrifice that in himself think about this determined to humbly and willingly choose his death for the sake of others. All the Old Testament sacrifices were chosen by men for men. Jesus determined in himself that he would willingly and humbly be that sacrifice. Those animals in the Old Testament, they didn't make the choice. They were chosen. Jesus chose to be the sacrifice. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Such a beautiful picture of what we're talking about. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus consecrated himself for the cross death. Jesus consecrated himself for the cross death so that we might be saved. We must believe this truth to be saved. Jesus' death on the cross is the salvation of men but his cross death was more than just about the justification of men we know from this text it was also about the sanctification of men he died to accomplish more than just paying the price for our sins and setting us free from the deserved penalty of our sin according to the text Jesus died so that we might be sanctified he carried out his mission so that we might be sanctified For their sakes, for their sakes, these disciples that walked with Jesus, for their sakes, he says, I sanctify myself that, that for this purpose that they might be sanctified. This idea isn't only found here in Christ's prayer, of course. Peter echoes this reality in 1 Peter 2. Chapter 2, verse 24, and he himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might, yes, die to sin, but also live to righteousness, be sanctified. Christ didn't just become a sacrifice so that we might die to sin, but that we might also live to righteousness or that we might be purified, be made holy. And Paul communicates the same truth in his letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, 25 and 26 say this, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that, here comes the purpose, he might sanctify her. And Ephesians goes even further, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word. How does God sanctify his people? By sending his son Jesus to give his life up for them so that they may be sanctified. How are they going to be sanctified? By the washing of the water with the word, by truth, the way that God sanctifies. Why did Christ give himself up? So that he might sanctify his people, the church. And how does Jesus afford us the opportunity to be a holy people? According to Ephesians 5, by... The washing of water with the word, meaning he purifies, he sanctifies us through the word, through truth. It's truth, truth, truth that sanctifies. Well, I think there's a, a ton of application to those verses that we've really already communicated as we push through, but I want to suspend some time this morning talking about how do we take three little verses like this in the middle of Jesus' prayer for his disciples and apply. Remember the Philippians 2 text that was quoted just a couple of minutes ago. Did you catch verse 5? I think we're familiar that Jesus exists in the form of God and He humbles himself, he empties himself, he humbles himself, becomes a man. And even as a man, he becomes a servant of men. And even as a servant of men, he goes humbly to the cross to be crucified. But that text in Philippians is preceded by verse 5, which we read, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What attitude is that? What is that attitude? The attitude of being set apart for the sake of others, being willing to be set apart for the sake of others, being willing to be holy, to live a holy life for the sake of others. I think the first way that we could, first thing that we could say as far as application goes is consecrate yourself, consecrate yourself. My sincere hope is that you're spending time in the Bible being transformed by the Holy Spirit by the very words of God. Open up this book and spend time with God so that he can take the truth that we find here and he can sanctify your life. If you know that you're struggling here, I want to give you a couple of simple assignments. Number one, Rick knows about this. I gave him fair warning just a few minutes before it was time to preach. Find Pastor Rick and ask him to explain IEP to you, all right? And Rick, may, he, may, uh, he may divvy up and pass that along to some other people. I, I know that, but find Pastor Rick and ask him to explain IEP to you. Now, there's no way for you to possibly know what that even means unless you ask Mr. Rick. So I'm really counting on you because I'm not going to tell you today. You have to ask Pastor Rick, what does IEP mean? And then the second thing I'll recommend is this. If you know you struggle to daily be in God's word, to routinely be in God's Word, then find another brother or sister to walk through a book of the Bible with you. Find one person and say, let's go through a book of the Bible together and walk through God's Word together. And that'll help you knowing that you're going to meet with them. And if you show up without any idea of the text that you agreed to walk through together, it's going to encourage you to spend time in the Word with this brother or sister. So those are two assignments. Find Pastor Rick asking about IEP, Find another brother or sister in the life of the church to walk through a book of the Bible with. It is impossible to genuinely and consistently meditate on the word of God and not be sanctified. To consecrate yourself, you must devote yourself to God's word. So that's the takeaway. That's the application. Consecrate yourself. Translation, spend time in God's word with God. And number two, Second piece of application is go to the world or be sent into the world. I want to quote a guy named J. Dwight Pentecost. I want you to listen to this. I'll probably read it twice so that you can catch what he says. It's one of my new favorite quotes. He says, rather than trying to figure out how to make the church more like the world... So the world will go to church. We should be trying to make the church more like Christ so the church will go to the world. Let me say it again. Rather than trying to figure out how to make the church more like the world so the world will go to church, we should be trying to make the church more like Christ so the church will go to the world. I love that quote. Perhaps Some diagnostic questions will help us this morning see the heart of our willingness to be sent into the world. Do you think the church needs some reforming? I think that's a fair question to ask, and I have a reason for asking that. So I want you to actually consider the question that I'm asking. Do you think the church needs some reforming? How can this church, Grace Church, become more like Christ? Let me get more personal. Does your influence make the church more like Christ? Do you influence others to be more like Christ? Or to ask it another way, would others say you encourage them toward Christ-likeness? Do you have a passion for Jesus? And a second part to that question, does your passion for Jesus motivate you to go to the world with his story? Here's another one. Like Christ, am I giving myself away? Or this. Do I find myself isolating from the world or, like Christ, extending myself out into the world? Jesus had the safest, most comfortable place on the planet in heaven with the Father. And he left that so that God-haters could be reconciled to God. Is the sum of all of my study of God's word and reading of good books causing me to go to others or am I just obtaining knowledge? Is my home a tool or a fortress? Is it a tool to spread the gospel or is it a fortress from the world? Is the purpose of my income to build my kingdom or spread God's kingdom? I think those are fair questions to ask ourselves if we want to apply being sent into the world by Jesus who was sent into this world by the Father. So let me repeat the one thought that I had at the very beginning of the sermon. Godly people spread the gospel because sanctified people are sent into the world. Our holiness is visible through our going to the world because sanctified people are sent into the world. Evangelism and sanctification are inseparable because sanctified people are sent into the world. Word-soaked saints become spirit-filled heralds because sanctified people are sent into the world. And meditators We'll be messengers because sanctified people are sent into the world. Dear saints, have you been made holy by the justifying work of Christ? And so like him, consecrate yourself through the word of God until you are rightly motivated to go to the world. They're inseparable. He sanctifies and sins. He doesn't just send without sanctifying and he doesn't sanctify without sending. If you only have one of those, you're in a dangerous place. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you that Christ did come, that he was sent into the world by the Father and he completed his mission. He accomplished the work that you sent him to do. He was crucified on a cross. His blood was shed. He died there. He was buried, and by God's grace, he arose again. And because of that, we can be saved. But Father, we thank you for Jesus' prayer right here that reminds us that we weren't just saved to be satisfied, but that we were saved so that we might be sent, sanctified and sent. So Father, we pray that you would answer Jesus' prayer to the disciples on our behalf, that you would sanctify us, that you would make us men and women of the word. And Father, I pray that as you do that, it doesn't become a strain or difficulty to be sent into the world. It's just what we do in response to the sanctifying work you've done in our heart. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.